Our first reading is Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them He has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes, and the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. This is the word of the Lord. Our epistle reading from the second letter to Timothy, also the sermon text for the day. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for, re- for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. This is the word of the Lord. I invite you to rise and honor the gospel. From John's gospel in the 16th chapter. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is Mine. Therefore I said that He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. This is the Gospel of our Lord. like loud again. Would you pray with me? 
Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you do. We thank you for your work done to bring us into this place. We thank you for your work done for us in Christ to redeem us and make us yours. And we thank you for your work done by your Holy Spirit as you continually point us to your love for us shown in Jesus. We pray that you would work by your Spirit at this time. Remove distractions from our hearts and from our minds so that we would rest in your promises of life and forgiveness in Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, continuing on and rooted in growing, rooted in creation, rooted in redemption, rooted in being set apart for all the work that God gives us to do. Sanctification, right? Rooted in sanctification. Thank you for clarifying that earlier, Rachel. It was very helpful, giving us the words to put behind that word. And as we have become accustomed to, we're going to say that theme verse from Colossians again together once that is up. Here we go, Colossians 2, 6 to 7. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. I don't know if you noticed, uh, but the first three rooteds kind of fall in line with the Apostles' Creed. You notice any of that? Rooted in creation, rooted in redemption, rooted in sanctification? Maybe, maybe not. Rooted in creation, right? God created. God the Father created everything and brought it all into being. Actually, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're all there at creation, but we attribute that more often than not to God the Father. And we say he's the creator, the one who brings it all together, oversees it, manages it, supports it, sustains it. And if we were to go into that small catechism, we hear Luther's words saying, we believe that God... The Father who created all these things, gave me my eyes and ears and heart, nose and toes and uh, house and home and land and fields and cows and uh, work and all the other things. And he does all of that and sustains all of that, not because of who I am or what I deserve or what my merits are, but simply out of divine fatherly love. That's what we're rooted in. The creation that God has brought together out of divine fatherly love love and he sustains it and keeps it going and then gives us uh, part of himself even as he breathed into Adam and Eve and gave them the breath of life and created them in his image and then we see little bits and pieces of that though it's been corrupted after the fall but we still see this beautiful creative and giving nature that comes out in people we're rooted in creation you're not rooted in something outside creation you can't be. You're part of creation. He created you in the midst of all of the wonderful world and universe that's around. This is where we are. This is where God has placed us. This is where God sustains us. And it's wonderful. We're also rooted in redemption. Go back to the creed. That's the second article, the long middle one, all about Jesus, right? Rooted in redemption. Rooted in the work that he alone has accomplished for us as he has bought us back out of slavery to sin and placed us in to the kingdom of his very own, of grace and mercy and forgiveness and love and wonderfulness. Okay, that part's not in the catechism. But that's in the Pastor Matt translation. God's work through the Son, where his blood was shed so that our sins would be paid for, done, ransomed, taken care of, sacrificed out of wonderful divine brotherly 
love. But even beyond brotherly love. Unattached love, like un, no strings attached kind of love. Just beautiful, divine, graceful love for us. Who again, didn't deserve it or anything. But Christ alone is the one who has redeemed us. And now we get into sanctification, right? Rooted in sanctification. We look at the third article of the creed and we hear about all the stuff the Holy Spirit does but we go, yeah, yeah, yeah. God created me. The Son redeemed me. Now it's my turn. Now it's my job. Now it's my opportunity to do the work. Now it's my turn to show God how thankful I am and show God how good I am and show God how strong I am and show Him how worthy I am of all the things He's already done for me. That's not in the catechism. (laughs) But that's how we take it a lot of times. When we look at the work that needs to be done in the church, we take it on as a burden and place it on our shoulders and we say, this is all the stuff that I've got to go do for God because I'm the one that he's put here to do it. No one else is going to be be able to do it as good as I can. And so I need to go work to prove to him how good of a kid I am. You ever felt that burden? I mean, we feel that burden sometimes in the home, sometimes in the workplace, when we take everything upon our own shoulders and we don't allow anybody else to do the work and we just hold on to it all for ourselves. And as we see God creating us and redeeming us, we start to do that work. Uh, As one speaker this past weekend at a conference that we went to said, we take all these works and and shove them back up to God and throw them back up to him as he's taking care of us and created us and redeemed us, and then we take all these things that we think we're supposed to do, and we start throwing them back up at him, and you can just imagine God laughing a little bit and going, stop. That's not the work I gave you. I didn't give you all these things so that you can shove them back up to me. I don't need, I don't even need your work. I don't need any of that. But your neighbor does. They need all the things that I'm sending you out to do. There's so many times we want to take the things that God plants us in the middle of and either own them for ourselves or throw them back up to him to prove to him how good we are in the middle of doing them. It's not, it's not how it works. That's not even what Adam and Eve to do as he set them apart for a particular purpose in creation. Right? Sets the sun and the sky moon in the sky sets those things for particular purposes, sets the seasons out, the sky and the land for holding particular things, animals in different places for particular things, even trees in particular places for particular things. And then he puts two humans in the middle of it and says, I have a job for you. Not that I can't do it, but I'm giving it to you. I'm creating you for it so that there's a work that you get to do. Enjoy the stuff. Take care of it. Share it with one another. Be fruitful with it. Have fun with it. Enjoy this world that I've put you into the middle of. Quite quickly, they grab a hold of that world and they say, I know better than God. I'm going to do it my way. Grab a hold. And now all of a sudden they know good and evil. Now they need redemption. So he sends Jesus into the midst of it after giving them a promise in that very moment and carries that promise all the way through. And then as Christ is hanging on the cross, dying for our sins, redeeming us 
goes down into the grave and dies in our place and rises again to come out of that dark grave and into the wonderful light once again that only he can bring and then drags us along with that through baptism. And that promise given to Adam and Eve is now wrapped around us. And then he gives another promise. He says, look, I'm going to be with you just for a little while, but when I go away, I promise to you, I'm going to send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, the one who's going to walk through life with you, the one who's going to guide you and direct you, the one who's going to do all the work that the rest of the world around you needs to get done. So stop blocking what he's trying to do and taking it for yourself. Know that he's going to work through you and he's going to be with you. And even I am going to be with you through the end of the age. But unless I go, he can't come. So I'm going to send the Spirit. What a beautiful promise. What's hard for us is that we can look back and we can say, okay, there was nothing and then there was something. We work. And then we hear a word all throughout Scripture and we say, I don't quite know what the word looked like. Ooh, the word took on flesh. That's what the Son now looks like. All right. We see the work of the Father. We see the work of the Son. Holy Spirit's hard for us to wrap our heads around. There's no entity or form. There's no distinct voice that's different than any other. It's really hard for us to kind of wrap our heads around this Holy Spirit thing. It's kind of one of those, you know, when you see it things, but then you wonder if you really saw what you saw or if what you saw was something different. You start to doubt and wonder. And you're wondering whether this thought or conscience or feeling, or whatever it was, is, was it truly guided by the Holy Spirit? Was it not guided by the Holy Spirit? How do I know if it's the Holy Spirit? How do I know that that's what was working through me for the good of someone else? And this is where I love the verses we have in Timothy. You've got Paul, right? The guy who's started quite a few churches, and if he hasn't started them, he's poured into them with his words. Some of them he never visited. And some of them he never visited, but he would write letters to them and share with them the teaching of the apostles. And he was one who saw the post-incarnate Christ, right? The one post-risen Christ, kind of. Uh, post-ascended Christ? One of those terms. I don't know. Anyway, he saw Jesus. And Jesus knocked him off his horse and he said, I've got a job for you. Paul said no. And then figured out he was wrong. <laughs> Actually, I don't think he said no. He just said, who are you? Nonetheless, as he raises up these other pastors, as he raises up these other folks in the churches, Timothy and Titus being two of them, and in this particular letter as he's writing to Timothy, he goes, Timothy, I'm going to put two things in your mind. One, be grounded in the word. I'm going to send you back into God's Word. Know that Word in which you were raised. Know that Word in which you were taught. Know where and who you learned that Word from. And know what that Word points back to. Jesus. You are grounded and rooted and formed and shaped in the Word of God. That's where our roots are. Set apart for a particular job, rooted in this Word of God which is different than every other word out there as well. And so he says, Timothy, you will remember who taught you, where you learned it, and what you have learned. And you will remain grounded in that word because it's that word that shapes your life. It's that word that will guide your practice. It's that word that will lead you 
through all things. It's that word that will continually reach out to you in your dark times, and it's that word that will shape your joyous, wonderful times. It's that word that will continue to hold on to you in Jesus, because he is the word. It says, now, I've got a second thing for you. Go. Preach. Do the work of an evangelist. Be sober-minded in what you do, not thinking more highly of yourself, but doing something for the benefit of the folks that are around you. Preach that word into their ears. I want you to notice something in the middle of all that. At what point was Paul telling Timothy to look at himself? He didn't. That's why you all look confused. He didn't. He didn't point Timothy back into himself. He basically took the same tenets from Deuteronomy and that Jesus said in the Gospels as well, love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Be grounded and rooted and established and built up in Him because it's Him who is the foundation of all things. And then, love your neighbor as I have loved you, is what he ends up saying in John. More than you can even love yourself, but love your neighbor as I have loved you. Not at one point does he point Timothy to himself for some sort of self-help thing or to take God's word and be a better Christian or to take God's word and be more adamant about what he's doing to prove his faithfulness or any of those things. He says, look, be rooted in the word. That's where you got to be. Absolutely. But it's not for your own good, even though there's truth in that also. It's especially for the good of all the folks that are around you. Now, he specifically speaking to a guy who's going to be a pastor and a preacher. But he says the same words to you. Now, you are not all going to be pastors and preachers. Well, you're not all going to be pastors. You're definitely all preachers. Small settings within the home, preaching God's word into the ears of those who are around you, raising up children in the faith, walking along with elder loved ones, walking along with friends at work, sharing the good news of the gospel, being an evangelist, as Paul puts it, sharing the good news into the ears of those that need to hear it, being sober-minded, stepping back, realizing that the work that's going on is not for your good, but for theirs. See, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. This is what he does. This is his game. This is it. He calls, gathers, and enlightens his church. He calls it into gospel. He gathers it into God's presence to point to Jesus, and he enlightens it by opening up minds, ears, hearts to hear that very same word that God has spoken throughout the ages to point us to Jesus. It's what the Holy Spirit does. You heard Jesus say it himself in John's gospel as he said, he's going to and give to you all of the things that are mine and all the things that are mine, things that are the Father. So he's going to do all the things that are God's, all the things that are his very own. God the Father's grace and mercy and goodness and love and forgiveness, he's going to give all that to you and he's going to point to me in order to do it so that all that you have will be for me. We're rooted as created beings in the creation that God has given us. We're rooted in the redemption that we don't deserve, but that God has worked out for us through Christ. And we're rooted in the work that God continues to do through us. 
we get confused many times because we think that it's our own actions that are proving ourselves to God, and yet God's working through us for the benefit of the people around us. It's God's work, still and always, as he works through his church to point others to Christ, as he works through others to continue to hold on to you in his grace and in his word. There's another teacher we were listening to. It was great. She was talking about the teaching of the catechism how she was teaching the catechism to one particular student who was walking through cancer. Uh, her name is Sarah Crowder, to give her the right due and credit, just so you can look her name up or see who she's about. But as she's teaching the catechism in this Lutheran school setting and uh, handing over the beautiful truths of Scripture in this short and concise way to a kid who said he's never really heard God's word or never really knew how to pray or anything like that. As he's walking through cancer, she starts to go into a hard time with one of her family members. And the kid ends up reaching out and saying, look, I know what you're going through. I'm going to do my very best to pray for you. I'm still working on what that looks like. But I'm going to do that very, my very best to try and pray for you. See, there's so many things that God does through you for the benefit of others. And it's always amazing when you hear those words turned right back around and directed at you. Because you need to hear God's word just as much. And you get to hear it here, and it's beautiful. You get to hear that God loves you, that he's made you, that he's redeemed you, and he set you apart for a particular work that only you get to do with your particular gifts and your particular voice. And God will continue to work through you by his hand so more and more would hear of Christ and their forgiveness. And then every now and then, you get to hear those words spoken right back at you. Words of love and grace and forgiveness. It's words we need to regularly hear. I'm glad when you're here to hear them and I get to proclaim them to you. And it's such a wonderful honor and blessing to be able to do so and tell you that you are forgiven on account of Christ's work alone. And let me give you the next part. You're sent out into the world to do Christ's work by the work of the Holy Spirit alone. It's Him who works through you. It's Him who guides you. It's Him who leads you. It's Him who continues to speak of forgiveness into your ears so that you would know whose you are as a son and daughter of God the Father because of Jesus for you. Amen. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the work that you continue to do through your Spirit as you lead us and guide us and you do everything having made us, continuing to sustain us, having redeemed us, continuing to forgive us, and having gathered us into your presence, continuing to work through us for others. Be with us in this day and in all the days to come, knowing that you lead and guide us by your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.